everyone. It's me, Dr. Z with... JB, uh, I'm in pineapples and I just, I, I'm tired of winter. So he, he, I want it to be somewhat warmer. Hi, Dr. Z. How are you? <laughs> For those of you that are not watching, you really should subscribe to my YouTube channel Great because call. you need to see what John Barchard. I want to know if you think he looks more like a tourist. <sighs> Ooh, a tourist? Or a badass who doesn't give a fuck. Right in between. I'm a badass tourist who doesn't give a fuck. You can't put them. They're, 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 they're. I'm the guy that goes to Disney, Epcot, and, uh, you know, takes all the rides. I don't know. I'm that guy. I'm a badass. Let's move on, shall we? Um, <laughs> anyway, you can yell at me for my outfit or my takes at John Barchard. Dr. Z, uh, you can find on Instagram and just type Dr. Z because I am not enunciating your silly handle. But uh, unless you want to give it out one more time, go ahead. D-R period. <laughs> Z underscore psychologist because the rest were taken. Well, that's fine. You can you can you can keep blaming people as much as you want, uh, but we will not do that today. As uh, we have um, we've touched a lot on obviously what narcissism can do to us psychologically. Yes, we, we've had some really great guests on. Um, you have been instrumental in kind of breaking down how a narcissist will, you know, really attach. Uh, to your brain cells where you're thinking upside down and not yourself and all that. And I don't think we realize, because you've made me realize this, there is literal physical things that happen to you during this process, which we, that should be like, oh, yeah, of course that happens. But why does that happen first and foremost? And why don't we talk about that as much when we're uh, talking about narcissism, Dr. Z? Those are some excellent questions, Thank John you. Barchard. It's almost like so you prepped me. It's, it is. Oh, my, <laughs> damn it. No, it is like I um Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to answer, I'm going to answer the second question Please. first. So one of the reasons why we don't talk about the physical implications, meaning the physical health implications of dealing, living, whatever with a narcissist is because... When we think about mental health, I mean, it's getting better. But when we think about mental health, we think about emotions. People are still of this mindset, again, even though it's getting better, mm -hmm. that our mental health and our physical health are two completely separate entities. They are not. They are one. For the simple fact that, like, when I'm stressed, I get migraines. They don't just happen out of left field. Right. Like when I get stressed, I get migraines. Why? Because when I get stressed, my muscles tense. When my muscles tense, it goes right from my neck right up to my head and I get migraines. And it's a little. Yeah. And that's a period mental thing. Having a physical Correct. reaction. You've explained to me many times. I did. The first time I met you. Exactly. And for some reason. I still have a hard time connecting yes. that, even though I know my high-functioning anxiety gives me tummy pains. And, and Can you tell people your facial expression? Well, I can't tell people, but, but <laughs> can you tell people what was going through your head when, because I think it's important, because yes. you, you, you didn't know me from a hole in the wall, and I'm talking about anxiety, depression, and breast cancer. Yes. And I just flat out interrupt whatever you were saying, <laughs> tell you you have anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's... That's partially why I never connected it in the first place. Because when we do these things, when you're even describing, I've got a major migraine, a headache, and I know what my stress is causing that. Most of the time in my experience, 
it immediately goes to a physical place of like, I didn't drink enough water today. Right. I should eat a banana. But here's the thing. It, it, it and is. And those things are true. Absolutely. I'm, but we don't know the cause. Co- we're thinking, right. oh, I didn't have enough water today. Thus the cause of my physical pain. Correct. And it never crosses over into the stress mode or into I have high functioning anxiety and that is causing me to have physical pain. Correct. Because when you go to the doctor a lot of these times, mm-hmm. my blood work was normal. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I've got cancer or mm-hmm. something because I'm losing weight rapidly. I'm like, what's going on? You know, so. you know, w- w- one of the things I always say, and then I, w- I want to, I want to get into the specifically narcissism. But let me, let me just two things. One is, it always amazes me, still to this day, that somebody, let's say, goes to their primary care doctor because they are having massive stomach issues. That primary care doctor will refer them for an MRI, CAT scan, whatever. Refer them to. Um, you know, a nutritionist, refer them to an IBS specialist, refer them to, you know, autoimmune to see if it's Crohn's, wh- whatever. I am always the last, if at all. And it always boggled my mind because do you know how many people have stomach issues because they have anxiety and depression? Yes. And so, they go and, and listen, and I'm not saying there's not real medical things going on, but they'll come in on all these medications and and I'll get referrals from GI docs all the time. Oh my god, like we're so used to separating the two that it still just amazes me that as a psychologist, I'm one of the last, I should be one of the first. One of my friends who is advocate on gut health and you know, just clean natural living, and she does a fantastic job, I've learned a lot from her. She goes into this thing about, you know, it is not a do not normal size, uh, normalize normal size. Listen, (laughs) don't normalize have that bloating is a good thing for your health because it's not a good thing for your physical health. Correct. Yep. But (laughs) that's when you are in my head because I'm going, yes, Mm -hmm. but you're also referring this person to a GI doctor Mm -hmm. because she specifically says there's something wrong with your gut Mm -hmm. if this is I'm like, I'm going, yes, but Mm -hmm. is that because I'm eating 2000 calories from the hours of nine to 11 and then going throughout my day and not eating a thing? And I'm saying that's not a good thing either. But the. Oh, dude, totally me. Yeah, Dr. Z's raising her hand I right now, I will not too. eat all day, and then from, like, 9 to 12, it's like a... Yes. And because, like, it's an easy thing to say, hey, John, don't wake up in the morning, fill yourself with water and vitamins, then 20 billion cups of coffee from the from 5 a.m. until 4, and then, like, duh, I know why you're doing that, but we're not Correct. getting to why my mind is telling Correct. me, don't eat right now. Correct. Correct. That's the problem. Correct. Not the, yeah, like me changing my, I've tried to change my diet a billion times. Ha! Nothing's worked because it's all up here. I've had it since I've been in fifth grade and no one's identified it at all. I agree. No. I agree. It's food. Mm, we can get it in another time, but it's more of food as an annoyance. It's 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 it's, it's a pain in, in the, the ass. It's in the, the way. Time. It's yeah. it's it's cooking. Oh, that's in the way. But you want me you to know. tell you what a lot of that has to do with, and then we're totally Please. off topic. But um, that's a big ADHD thing too. Which makes sense because hi hi <laughs> <laughs> hi. So um, we can get into there. But anyway, yeah. anyway, but yes, I I everything is gut health. Even I mean, I remember years ago at a conference, it was on. Um, 
Alzheimer's and they were presenting research. I mean, even then they were talking about gut health and depression and anxiety. You're talking about gut health. I mean, it's it's all connected. It's all related. So when we talk about our emotional health and well-being and how it's impacted by narcissists, but yet we don't talk about how badly it fucks our physical self up. I think we're doing people a huge disservice because even if you tackle the mental health aspect of it, or the, I should say the emotional aspect of it, your body is still in that fight or flight mode. Your body, your, your nervous system is so dysregulated still. So you could, you know, I just talked about this last night on Instagram. You could, you literally could process your feelings all day long. But if you are not regulating your nervous system to make sure that your body knows it's not in danger, well, like, nothing's going to work. Or change that much. Correct. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, let's talk a little bit about how narcissism impacts our physical health, like specific examples of this. So we talked about this in a prior episode the sleep and the driving. Yes. So narcissists, one of the things they do is they like to control your sleep, keep things really loud, keep the lights on or wake you up in the middle of the night. They just like to control how you sleep when you sleep, you know, and make you anxious because, you know, if you think you're not going to sleep, it's like it's so anxiety provoking and you're going to be tired the next day. And it's it. so they like to do that because it's a way to control you. Now, the impact of that from a mental health standpoint it can make you crazy right like sleep deprivation is nasty but physically when you don't sleep physically it has an impact on your body right so you gain weight quicker you that mm, would explain mm -hmm. that (laughs) yep yeah okay irregular sleep causes weight gain Irregular sleep causes cravings for unhealthy foods like carbohydrates and things like that, sugars, all that stuff. Is there a specific reason why? Ghrelin. I'm going to get yelled at for this. Ghrelin or something. There's a hormone that's released in the evening at night that that triggers like hunger and makes you. But the other thing, too, is when you're stressed and you're anxious, your cortisol levels go up, which makes you crave these 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 types of foods, the sugar and the carbohydrates, because it 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 gives you comfort or whatever you want to call it release however you want to say it the problem is like anything else you're going to crash from that sugar high and you're going to feel like dog shit so the sleep issue is a huge thing because narcissists will not let you have structured good sleep hygiene so you're going to have all the effects that lack of sleep or inconsistent sleep has on your body confusion memory loss horrible attention horrible concentration agitation um, increased risk for depression, anxiety. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be clumsier. You're going to go through that stop sign because you weren't paying attention because you didn't sleep the night before. You know, so it's it's a culmination. It's like a buildup of all these things. So there's that. Okay. In addition to sleep, um, we also talked in an episode we just did with Sarah Edmondson about kind of the control aspect of calories, right? That yes. narcissists like to um, take ownership of, you know, and a lot of times narcissists will tell people, you know, tell especially male narcissists to female narcissists that they're too heavy or they're too this. And it really has nothing to do with that. They want to just control something that is uniquely yours, which is what food you decide to put in your body and when. 
and they'll calorie restrict or they'll, you know, tell you to, you can only eat this or this time of day or this amount of calories per day. Um, and that, that alone has an impact on your physical self. So you're eating either less, so you're not getting energy, so you're fatigued. And when you don't have enough fuel in your body, concentration, attention, memory go out the window. Your hair starts to get brittle. Your skin gets dry. Your nails break. Um, yeah, because it just feels like you're, you're, I mean, you're obviously malnourished if it's, if it's, correct. If it's going to, like, is there any time... And, and again, it could be anecdotal or not, but it seems like a lot of these, the narcissistic control goes towards weight loss and not necessarily weight gain because it's it seems to me like narcissistic people tend to be arbitrary about what it is as long as it's affecting you. So, but. so I think in that case, I think that's based more on societal pressure still that like, it, like there's this stereotype with gaining weight, like you're a bad person if you gain weight, right. like God forbid you're human. So I think what it does is they take that 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 construct that's been in our society for so long and, and you know makes it like you're too Just heavy. To you're too it. Yeah. I think I think it's more about that. I don't think I think the calorie restriction and when they can eat and how they can eat, that's arbitrary. Right. But I think they use the the weight loss as a way to say you're not fit enough you're not this enough i don't think it would go in the other direction and that kind of like lines up a lot of the time of like hey um there's this thing that you could be doing better all yes, the time which correct. you're not quite there yet right. but the bar moves constantly right right constantly so there's no the, the the it's arbitrary in terms of how much weight they want you to lose like you lose five pounds well you need to lose 10 well you could if i mean right. if five was that easy then 15 the should 15, be hard right, not at yeah, all right right um, so there's that. And then, you know, in addition to the impact that the actual narcissist, you know, their, their control. So the dry, the dry, the sleep deprivation and, um, the calorie counting, things like that. The other stuff that happens too, is you have to remember our bodies and our brains are equipped to deal with trauma in very short spurts. Okay. If a car is barreling towards us. Our flight or fight mode kicks on. We hopefully run out of the way. We don't just stand there and say, oh, that is a pretty car. I wonder when they got that. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that. We are moving the hell out of the way or we're freezing because we're like, oh, fuck. Right. So, the, but my point is, is that our brains are equipped to deal with that in small doses. When you are in a narcissistic, abusive relationship, your fight or flight switch is constantly on. You don't even have a dimmer. Like it's just on. Because if it's not, your body thinks it's going to die. So, you know, even things like um, you don't know, and that's where the walking on eggshells comes in. It's it's such intermittent shit. You don't, it, then there's no rhyme or reason, but that's why they do it because it, the fact that you can't predict it is what makes you so anxious, right? Um, where you have no control over it and you try to figure out all the rules, but th- you can't because they're arbitrary and they change them anyway. So that constant fight or flight, never knowing what you're going to get, constant intermittent reinforcement, your body and brain are not equipped. That's why during COVID, we were not equipped to deal with trauma for that long. You know, that... that, that and I guess it was maybe about six months ago when things started kind of people were going back. Everybody was in this fog 
Big time. Like, what the fuck is happening? Where are we? What's going on? The reason for that is because your body, at a certain point, when you've been on fight or flight for so long, your body just just quits out. Like, like it just doesn't have the energy anymore. So you just kind of are like in a fog. And so when you see people who are in narcissistic abusive relationships, oftentimes they seem checked out. And, you know, it's quick to assume that they're depressed, which I'm, sh- I'm not saying they're not. But it's also because their body can't handle that fight or flight. So it's like in preser. It's like in like, um, wh- what's that mode called? Like, like sleep mode. Yeah, where you're just kind of, it feels like you're just kind of sleepwalking coasting. through every yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. There's bursts of energy th- from here and there. Yep. yep. You're constantly going, why Ener- don't like I have energy this? Energy saver or something yeah, mode. Right. Yes, that makes, that makes a ton mm-hmm. of sense because you're like, I got to make it through these 20 hours that's or whatever right. it is. And that's. Yeah, when when I'm hearing you say these things too, there's a lot of, you know, borderline of this stuff which kind of happens in our everyday lives in terms of like family structure. Mm-hmm. So like, some of this might sound as if, you know, oh man, you've got all these all these things happen around your house, and just think about like my for instance, my house is constantly behind because mm-hmm. it always feels that way of just i'm fully i'm fully ahead with three kids under oh 10. yeah no problem I mean, get your yeah, shit together yeah, barcher yeah, yeah see and that's there's those societal that's another societal <laughs> pressure of like whatever social media if you want to call it or even your neighbor be like man they got their shit together and, and, and i no don't no one and, has their shit together no one no one does and so that i think you can stir up on your own yes now, when you have somebody leaning on top of yes. that, I cannot imagine what that feels like because my head feels like it's packed with so much shit on a day-to-day Correct. basis that if somebody were to come in and just <laughs> narcissize every, you, narcissize me, like we were talking with Sarah, there's maybe three or four days that could change your entire mentality yes. and outlook. If I'm stressed out on top of that, I haven't been eating already. That gets a lot quicker in that process. Correct. Because you just don't have it in you. And cognitively, you're not all there either. You can't take it. That's the other thing, too, that happens from a physical standpoint, right? So if you picture your brain as a pizza, right, you have, let's say, eight slices, okay? A narcissist will consume all eight slices, might throw you a piece of, you know, maybe they'll give you, maybe they'll give you a little sliver of like a quarter of a slice. But then they'll take it right back again. So it's like you, your brain is so, the space in your brain is so taken up already. You don't have any cognitive resources left to take in any other information around you. And I've given you this example before. If you're being chased by a guy running down the street with a gun who's trying to kill you, your fight or flight mode is on, right? Because it serves a purpose. And I, I want to remind me to talk about what happens to our body when we're in constantly in fight or flight mode. But if I asked you, okay, so while you were running away to save your life, can you tell me what color the car was that ah, was stopped in front of you? Good luck. No. Yeah. Because if you do, you're going to die, right? So imagine going through life with a narcissist where your brain is constantly taken up by all these by all eight slices are no longer yours. You have no cognitive resources to be able to attend to anything else around you. I mean, no wonder why people think they have dementia or they think that like they're losing their mind. They can't remember anything. They're getting into car accidents. They're losing things. They're, you don't have the, the space or the brain power to do anything else. And so you can imagine 
the out the consequences of that alone you're not performing your job well because you can't remember when you have meetings you're, yep. you're making spelling mistakes you're sending emails that don't even make sense all of these things so it, it really does a number on you cognitively neurologically there's brain chemistry changes that take place right so we talk about cortisol as our stress hormone we talk about serotonin which is like our happy right and, and dopamine which is our reward chemical that we get those things when you're with a narcissist are so completely out of whack you never know what you're going to get sometimes they're going to hug you sometimes they're going to berate you so that's that intermittent dopamine spurt um, you know, and then cortisol is through the roof because your body is constantly on fight or flight. What happens to your body when you're on fight or flight, your gut, talk about your gut, your intestines, everything constricts. Okay. Your pupils even change size so that you wow. don't get distracted by stuff around you. Just like you said, it's you zero zone focus. In. Yeah. So you're also not, you're in a weird way, like it affects your vision. It affects your gut. It affects like all of that. Your muscles tense up. So you're more likely to pull a muscle, break something. Um, migraines, like I talked about, joint pain. Because you also have to remember when your cortisol goes up, the other thing that happens is you become increasingly inflamed. You become inflamed when you don't sleep, when you eat really bad, when you, you know, when you're stressed, everything becomes inflamed. So you get these flare-ups of inflammation. So in addition to dealing with the narcissist, in addition to thinking you have dementia because you can't remember a goddamn thing, yeah. you're not sleeping. Now also your body is totally inflamed. Meaning your intestines are inflamed, you're going to have gut problems, you're going to have constipation or you're going to go too much. Mm -hmm. Um, IBS, right? Your joints. I do that enough already, by the way. <laughs> Good job. Your, your joints, your breathing is irregular. Your heart rate is irregular. Uh -huh. Your blood pressure is going to be super high. Way through the roof. Yep. So imagine, like once in a blue moon to have all this because you're, you need it to respond to something, fine. To have that every single moment of every single day, I mean, I think people really forget the damage it, the damage narcissistic relationships has on your literal physical self. Oh my goodness, yes! And just because like you're describing all these things, I'm going, yes, I already do that to myself. Yes. What would happen if somebody uh, comes into? You're so susceptible to everything at that point. And then people ask, well, why can't they just leave? Because how do they know what's up or down? They don't even know what's up or down. Truly. Um, it, it, there's so much more than just, oh, he's an asshole. He cheated. He's an asshole. Or she's an asshole. She's abusive. It is so much more than that. They can't think straight because mm -hmm. they are their, their brain's not operating properly. And just like you said, when you were first trying to attack this problem, there's no way they're coming to you first. No. Especially if you're in a narcissistic relationship. Therapy not is not even going to be an option. No. There's no way. So they're going to be running around from doctor Correct. to doctor to doctor. And they're all going to be telling them the same thing. You need to be eating this. You need uh -huh. to be doing that. You're gonna, and or, it's not going to change anything. And they're going to go crazy. What ends up happening is, what do you think happens when these doctors... I don't mean these. I don't mean that in a bad way. What happens when doctors... I'm like, these, these people... <laughs> What happens when doctors try everything they can, but it doesn't work? Yep. Then what do they say? Then it's me. It's in your it's head. Be, oh, it's in your head. It's in your head. That's yes. when they come to me. Uh. And I tell them, none of this is in your head. 
This is actually happening. This is actually right happening. You are inflamed. And when you're inflamed, your joints flare up. And when your joints up, you're in pain. And when you're in pain, all your energy goes towards the pain to make you feel better. So you're going to be fatigued. You're not, I mean, I, even think about this. When, when you're stressed, I don't know about you, but if I'm really stressed, one, two things happen. One, I get migraines. And the other thing that happens when I'm really, really overwhelmed, like super overwhelmed, I get sick, like, like flu, like flu-like, yeah. right? Yeah. I'll get a cold, I'll get a sinus infection. That's not coincidence. The reason why that happens is because, again, when you're inflamed, when you're stressed, when you're anxious, your immune system like, just isn't working properly. And so you're susceptible to these other illnesses or whatever. That's why cancer, heart disease, is it so, people who are in these relationships have such a higher risk for developing these types of conditions, these medical illnesses, because their immune system shot, because these chemicals like cortisol, and we know this from research, this is not anecdotal, increased cortisol and permanently increased cortisol has seriously damaging effects in terms of like cancer and heart disease and yeah. all of that stuff. Um, so is that is that part part of more or less of like what you're trying to get to with the the body and flight uh, type of yeah, situation because yes. it's just constantly beating constant, itself over and over constant right? constant and so and then just because you're out of the relationship you know i have i had somebody who said this to me the other day um she's out way out of her marriage okay and it, it was with an ex- really really toxic narcissist and one of the things that happened was she and she wasn't aware of this then until it happened afterwards but her body, her physical self, she would start shaking, right? She would get stomach pains and it would happen so fast. Mm. And it was it would be like out of nowhere, but it was physical. It wasn't mental. She wasn't crying. She wasn't sad. It was a physiological response. And we figured out what it was. Fucking footsteps on her stairs. Wow. Because when she would hear footsteps on her stairs, she knew what was about to happen. So when she hears a certain way, footsteps on the stairs, like at a certain time and night, her body goes right into fight or flight mode and like it, it, it thinks it's in danger. And so even after you're out of the relationship, this still takes a significant toll on you. Your heart rate increases. Your breathing becomes shallow. Your muscles tense up. I mean, it's. And it's, that's one of the biggest ways that you know. Sometimes you'll never believe you're actually probably getting better or wherever it is. Yeah. When you just think it's in physical Correct. form, because you're like, how does this one thing keep pulling on me Correct. at random times? not connecting the two things and I that actually intrigues me more just on my own mental mm-hmm. health because I I have the same trigger I have the same out of nowhere mm-hmm. boom right to my stomach like yep. I got to grab onto a table and be like oh. yes yes so I have no idea what that trigger is but maybe you know and here's what's silly about me I will automatically think that it's something shirt? that I'm in a pineapple shirt and I'm looking for SpongeBob under the sea uh but I, I will automatically think it is whatever I ate, consumed, Correct. and that combination of stuff. Listen, I've been doing this for years, okay? I have a freaking doctorate in psychology. Let me tell you what I, let me, let me tell you how disconnected we are from this, okay? Uh-huh. So you would think that I would get this, okay? Right. No. 
my son, my first kid, who's 10 now, at the time he was eight months, six months, I forget, but he was young. And I had one of my best friend's weddings in Florida. Didn't, I mean, obviously I want to go, but I had never left my son before and I was leaving, leaving him home. And I, like, I don't necessarily think I'm like super, don't be surprised by this, John. <laughs> but I don't think I'm like a really like mushy maternal, like. You? <laughs> Couldn't imagine. No. <laughs> So like I wouldn't think And I don't want people to take that like no. she's some mean. No, no, no. no, she's no, no. so sweet. I'm just saying she's not Thank you. Yeah, she doesn't right. come in looking for the huck. That's all. Right. That sounds so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it in a negative way. It's I don't judge it. Sorry. I do not judge it at all. You're in a pineapple shirt. You better exactly. not judge me. I'm not no, judging I'm kidding. Shit. I'm so kidding. Yeah. I'm so kidding. So, um anyway, so me and the way I would view myself is like it didn't I was nervous, but like, I was like, fuck it. It's fine. Like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not one to be like, I can't, I cannot leave him, you know, like, and, and devastated and like, oh my God, it's the first time away from, I'm thinking like, I can get drunk and not have to wake up early. Like, nice. Like, this is what I was thinking, but I was sad to leave him. Right. Yeah. But I needed a break. So I get to Florida and within like, I'd say less than 24 hours, I get what I think is a fucking horrible stomach bug. Oh, no. Okay, I have, I don't get the stomach virus. It's like a weird thing. Watch, I'll get it now. But like, I always get sinus and strep and stuff like that. I've maybe had three stomach viruses in my life. Uh -huh. So I'm sitting, I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. I couldn't, stop. you know, I was going to the bathroom. I was nauseous. It was miserable, miserable. Taking Pepto, taking everything I could possibly do. It was a really difficult weekend. Didn't, I mean, I miss my kid, but like, I wasn't like, oh my God, is he okay? Is he okay? Like I was, I was good. Fly back to Philadelphia. I shit you not. No pun intended. The moment the plane lands in Philly. Yeah. Poof. Gone. gone. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I remember thinking, no fucking way Son did I miss bitch. this. Yeah. No, no way. There was no stomach virus. It was anxiety and it was, I thought I had a stomach bug. And, and this is, I understand the connection. As soon as we landed, it was gone. And I remember thinking, like, motherfucker. Yes. How'd I miss that? Which, all, like, when you say these things, too, it only reemphasizes to me, man, I hope you're hearing this conversation if you don't understand what a narcissistic relationship is because, like, stop saying... How, why wouldn't you just get out of there? Oh my God. Like, you don't even you're know You're never going to know. Between, if, if Dr. Z is sitting here going, I didn't catch it. We've talked to a few therapists that have been in narcissistic yes. relationships that says, I didn't catch it. Right. Your mind and body is so powerful that Correct. it will make you believe fucking anything. 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 Yep. Correct. And 100%. Including this yes. right here. Like, it'll just say, you have physically something wrong with you. Go fix it. You, you, know? you, you have back pain. How's this one? This is another one. TMJ. Okay. <laughs> Lockjaw, right? Lock That's very, yeah. After my third kid, a couple weeks later, I go to take a bite of an apple. My jaw locked. It was the scariest 30 seconds wow. I've ever. And when my jaw shut, nothing was lined up properly. I was in so much pain for months and had to get this all this stuff done and whatever and still not. And like even then it didn't even occur to me like 
it's so freaking stressful. I mean, like even for females, like with our menstrual cycles, like it's it if literally like people I know my patients who have narcissistic relationships, they have missed their periods for months. Yes. Not because they're pregnant, because they're under so much stress and anxiety. So when you miss your period, stuff happens to your body. Yeah. You know, it's not separate. And so I guess, you know, here I am as a psychologist, like I had a third kid. I'm like stressed out to the max. My jaw locks and I'm still thinking like, oh, yeah, TMJ. And that's where I left it. No, like, no, no. Why? Why? Exactly. Right. So, you know, I kind of caution people with with the narcissism aspect is that it's not just mental. It's not just emotions. It's not just thoughts. It's affecting you physically. And it's all reciprocating because yes. your physical is going to keep telling your mental something's Correct. wrong and it's going to keep amplifying Correct. it over and over again. Correct. So I know people are going to be like, okay, so what do we do? Right. Because I always get that. What, what do we do now? Question. Um, well, clearly, when you set boundaries, if you leave when you leave, the degree to which you interact with them on a day-to-day basis is going to have an impact on how much your physical self is going to be able to heal. Because you can mentally, emotionally work on that healing process, but if you're still waking up in the middle of the night with like horrible, horrible stomach pains, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's important to... It's important during recovery from narcissistic abuse to not ignore your nervous system, to pay attention to how it's dysregulated, to pay attention to your breathing, pay attention to your sleep hygiene, what you're eating, um, your triggers, right? Be mindful of your triggers so that you know when you respond in a certain way, in a panicky way, what that's doing to you physically. Because sometimes even just the awareness of it makes a big difference, right? Mm -hmm. Like being aware of how you feel in any given moment so that you know, well, maybe I need to go to bed earlier tonight or maybe I need to drink less coffee today or maybe I need to go play tennis for an hour to relieve my stress. If you're not paying attention to that, you know, you're you're going to, you run the risk of it increasing, even if you're out of the narcissistic relationship. Yes. You have to retrain your body to not be on fight or flight mode. And that is exactly like a lot of things that you have said because that's something I've got to push myself towards in everyday life as well where you're going all right you know like you brought up the headache example and like maybe you can tune into that and be like okay there's a very good possibility that I need this out of that and for me it is taking my daughter out for a walk or knowing that I got to go to bed earlier or like one of those things something you value exactly exactly and um I think that's always going to be the hardest part just based on the discussions that we've had mm-hmm. for someone coming out of a nar- narcissistic relationship mm-hmm. to feel comfortable for. I mean, that is something that is just going to have to be a, a day-to-day process of like, it's not it's, this thing. N- right. It's this thing as I'm knocking over all these things. <laughs> Speaking of that. Um, well, because also there's a couple things. One, you have to remember, not only were they not paying attention to their emotional well-being and their own reality and their own perception during this relationship, but like they weren't paying attention to their physical self. No. That's the last thing on their mind. So they have to retrain their brain to literally be able to focus on their physical self in addition to giving themselves permission to feel important enough and Mm -hmm. worthy enough to pay attention to their physical health. Like there's so many layers to this because 
they may not even like they may feel horrible and physically ill, but feel like, well, they deserved it. Right. Or because there's still those 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 core beliefs that were instilled in you that you may not even take the necessary actions to make yourself well because you may think you're not worth it or it's not going to matter anyway or you're not capable of it because there's still all that going on right yeah and that's like uh i i can't imagine what that must feel like coming out of a a a narcissistic relationship so again if you are one of those people Mm -hmm. have experiences or know someone that does, like, my hat's off to you because it's a long I mean, and I tell people, ask yourself this, right? Imagine, imagine, ask anyone that's either in or out of a narcissistic relationship, whether it's a parent that's a narcissist and you're the child, whether it's a significant other, a, a sibling, whatever, friend, ask the person, the non narcissistic person, ask them, how they feel physically. Because I'll bet a lot of money that not one of them is going to say, good. I feel great. Physically. Diet's been really None of great. them. Yeah, none like, of them. I may have like a really shitty day and say I feel like crap, but like physically I'm all right. Yeah. No, no. Mm-mm. Won't happen. Mm-mm. Yeah. And that's like a, I think the, 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 just touching on like, you know, what do we do from here more or less? What you have said is, is, Probably the most important thing, stopping yourself and going, am I mentally okay today? Mm-hmm. Then go to the mm-hmm. physical stuff after that mm-hmm. because that'll probably answer a lot of questions. And if you're doing all that stuff and like internalizing for maybe 10 or 15 mm-hmm. minutes or however long it takes you to yeah. do that, and then you go, okay, I think I'm good there. Then you want to move on to the physical stuff. That I think is a better process for anybody, but specifically for people that are getting out of that narcissistic and, abuse. And sometimes, and I'll end on this, but sometimes people are way better at identifying the physical stuff than the emotional stuff. And so sometimes if I'm working with someone that's like really guarded emotionally, but they're able to tell me in detail what their stomach feels like or their headache feels like, I'll go with that. Whatever kind of gets them to, to open up or to get them to process stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a big problem. It's a huge Huge problem. problem. It's a huge problem because we don't address it enough. And somebody could come out and say they're fine, but yet, you know, they've been sick for the last six months with a sinus infection they can't get rid of. Mm -hmm. Yep, because I know that's like, I think a very common response to a lot. If they, if you tell people you like, ah, I'm I'm not feeling great Mm -hmm. today, or like, I think I got a thing. Mm -hmm. People have even told me like, dude, you think you're sick a lot. A lot. Exactly. And if you're picking up on that, exactly. then that's a good indicator. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so, Dr. Z, uh, again, thank you. Amazing conversation here because I always learn a ton. Um, and um, anything else that uh, we should probably be uh, aware of other than the fact that I think there's been some really good conversations about this, just not f- totally yeah. on this, this I'll season. I'll give you two quick strategies mm-hmm. that you can do um, to kind of help which is also in my book. Ah, which is called? Find Your Calm, which is available on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, and my website, drjamiezuckerman.com. Anyway. Officially JB approved, by the way, because I use it almost every day. <laughs> it has a whale on the cover. <laughs> so um, two things that you can do to help you become more aware and more present with your physical self. One, simple breathing exercises to ground yourself, to feel your breath. I know it sounds like... Yeah, you know, 
I do it every day. But but it's extremely important. And the other are body scans where you, you know, you'll let's there's different ways to do it. But you start with your toes, let's say, and you clench your toes for 10 seconds and then slowly release them over the count of 10. So you feel everything and you do it all the way up to your head. You would be amazed. You do your jaw and you even do your butt and you do your your cheeks and you do your fingers and you do every part of your body and you feel what it feels like afterwards. And you, it's it's you you can identify what parts of your body feel like shit. Ah, that's really good mindfulness for, for each section, right? That's kind of what you're doing there. And it, you know what's ridiculous is all I'm thinking right now. I know you're laughing at something and I got to know what it is. The beginning of Die Hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so in the beginning of Die Hard, when John McClane flies out to meet his wife in L.A. <laughs> yes. and st- they haven't taken over anything. Yes. That's the infamous part where he takes off his shoes in his wife's, you know, and because the guy on the plane's telling him, hey, when you land, take off your shoes and rub your feet against the carpet for 10 minutes. And he goes, son of a bitch, he was right. <laughs> like, it's just that it's it's odd that but um, it's the first thing I think of, because, of course, but uh, Die Hard 2 was much better. Oh, my God. That's the hottest take in the world. Please never say that again over a microphone. What is wrong with you? I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I skip over Die Hard. I don't even watch Die Hard 2 anymore. It's so bad. So, so bad. That's another debate for another time. But m- m- most of the, what, what I'm trying to say is the mindfulness, it really is incredibly helpful each and every single day, whether it is the breathing, which I said I do every day. That now I want to implement I'm very my happy you breathe well. every day. Always. Yeah. Start, I have to. Deep breathing, not actually breathing. Um, no, but it's it's true, and it, it it makes you it forces you to have to pay attention to your body, and that's the part that I think that that we don't do enough because we're so consumed with the the emotional and and the worry and the anxiety and and our confusion and I mean, I, listen, I get it, I do it, I can preach it. <laughs> I can teach and keep, it. <laughs> and keep on preaching. Uh, thank you, Dr. Z. Thank you. Bye.